So we learned quite a bit from Penn State's 30-13 to 13 win over Illinois, including just how valuable wide receiver Trey Wallace is to this offense. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That is right, Penn Staters. You are locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Download the Game Time app and use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host of the show. Become an everydayer. Subscribe to the YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts and Penn State. Getting the win 30-13 to 13 over Illinois pretty much summed up a lot of it in the live post-game show broken up into two parts here. If you haven't watched those episodes, check them out. I will link them in the description of this one. Listen back to them wherever you get your podcast. But we did learn quite a bit from Penn State's win over Illinois, including just how valuable Trey Wallace was, who, surprisingly enough, did not play. We have really no idea because James Franklin doesn't make an injury report. But also going along with that, he was listed as questionable by the injury reports that ha- injury report that has to be publicly released uh, right before kickoff here. So Trey Wallace, uh, along with seven other takeaways here, seven other things that we learned are going to be discussed. And then the latest intel on the Iowa Hawkeyes. It is not good news for Iowa. Gosh darn, that's I, I hate to hate to hear that. But let's begin with Trey Wallace because. He is proving to be a key cog in this offense. Trey Wallace, whether it's he opens up the passing attack, provides some extra blocking for a running game that is struggling. He opens up the offense that much more. He was a reliable target against West Virginia, didn't really need to be utilized against Delaware because it was Delaware. And you could notice that he was missing against Illinois. Even though he was listed as questionable, we really don't know the full extent of what was go- what is going on. If it is a long-term injury, but I'm sure that James Franklin will be asked about it and probably not give us any, any real insight into what's going on, but he is not just a number two wide receiver, which we anticipated going into the season. Okay. James Franklin said through the off season that, Hey, this team, this wide receiver core anyway, is built around Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace. And you're thinking, okay, you know, you brought Dante Cephas and you brought Malik McLean in, but coach was not kidding. DeAndre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace are the passing attack right now. We haven't seen much from Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. Granted, Tyler Warren did score in this Illinois game as a receiver that took a touchdown pass from the likes of Trey Potts, not even one of the quarterbacks, oddly enough, whatever. It, It worked. It got points on the board, and it helped Penn State cover in the end. That's what we all care about, right? And But back to Trey Wallace, seven catches, 72 yards against West Virginia, not really didn't need to be a factor against Delaware, as I've already mentioned here. But Trey Wallace is an effective route runner. I, I think he really does open up the capabilities of Keandre Lambert Smith because he plays a complimentary part, but he's also playing a he's also playing in a spot where the defense has to respect him. James Franklin also mentioned that Penn State can cycle back and forth, that K- KLS doesn't have to be necessarily just the X, and Wallace doesn't have to be just the Z. You add that element of surprise where you have either of them switching spots where one's the X wide receiver and one's the Z on any given play. So you really don't know. You don't know. And then you might line your second or third best cornerback up on Wallace, who becomes the number one wide receiver 
on that play. So what I'm getting at here is Wallace is significantly more valuable to this Penn State offensive show because the aerial attack did suffer. Drew barely got to 200 yards. He was 16 of 33, was kind of looking for that next option. And James Franklin has told us that all along, that when it comes to the wide receivers, it's Keandre Lambert-Smith, it's Trey Wallace, and then it's just a bunch of other guys. When's Dante Cephas going to step up? When's Malik McClain going to step up? We saw Caden Saunders haul in a couple of passes, but uh, really not much else. Liam Clifford had the big first-half saving play, saving catch there. Perfect throw by Drew Aller. A good catch to go along with it by Liam Clifford. But that's it. Just little bits and pieces from whether it's Cephas, McClain, Clifford, Saunders. It really doesn't matter. They're not giving us that next level of ability that Wallace and Lambert Smith are giving Penn State. So he forces defenses to really respect what Penn State is trying to do in the passing game. Wallace was supposed to be the clear-cut number two, but he is a 1A and a 1B with DeAndre Lambert-Smith. You know that Lambert-Smith is the 1A. You don't have to tell me that. But Wallace is a much-improved receiver from a season ago. He is a factor, and hopefully he can get back on the football field sooner rather than later. He needs to rest up against Iowa. We'll, of course, talk about that more over the course of this week. But I have no idea what is going on and what the nature of this is here. He was listed as questionable, but just did not play in a game that Penn State was going to win. And they showed that they could win without him. But it showed that the passing attack loses, a, definitely takes a step back. And that is not that is not okay here when we pivot now to the running game, who has been very lackluster. Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen are future first-round picks. And they haven't had the same explosive runs that they did a year ago. I pointed this out. Other Penn State media outlets have pointed this out as well. The running backs are not getting helped out by the wide receivers and the blocking. And what's the difference? Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington must have been really good blockers from a season ago. And I know Washington didn't play the whole season, but Mitchell Tinsley did. So when you have Keanu Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace is guilty of this too. He's, I'm hyping him up, but at the same time, he's going to bear some responsibility here. Dante Cephas, Malik McLean, one of those guys has to find a way to be a more efficient blocker and help extend these plays. That is why Penn State is running a lot more 12 personnel because they need the additional blocking from Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. And it's still not enough. The other thing that was, so what we learned here specifically about the ground game is the inside running game is lousy right now. Illinois has one of the best interior groups because Randolph Jr. and Newton are a very good tandem at defensive tackle. They run a 3-4, and I will give them their due credit. Penn State, just the inside running game is not picking up when Penn State decided to run to the outside when Bo Fabula came in. Hey, look, some success on the ground, right? Some some significant success on the ground because Penn State would break off a few big, bigger carries here and there, but wasn't anything substantial. Catron Allen had to run through defenders. Nicholas Singleton had to get fancy with it, and Penn State just, I'm surprised that the ground game isn't as good as it should be, but when you look at it, you have a new starting left guard in J.B. Nelson or Vanga Yuwane. Uh, Sal Wormley and Caden Wallace are not top tier, but they're they're good enough. They are good. Hunter Norzad's playing center for the first time in his career. Like I said, I've said this before. He's played tackle at Cornell. He switched over to guard last season, and now, yes, he played a little bit of center here and there, but not consistently, not uh, not on the football field, maybe on the practice field. And the Olu Fashion, who didn't have his best game against Illinois, I'm going to chalk this one up to Illinois just has very good interior run defense. When it comes to sideline to sideline, forget it. They're going to struggle all season with that. 
Uh, but Illinois' Jerzon Newton, part of the law firm, right, tormented Penn State's offensive line. Didn't matter where he lined up. He beat Fashionu. He beat J.B. Nelson. He beat Fanga Uwane. He beat Wormley. He beat Norzad. He's just a very good – he's he's an NFL player, future NFL player. He'll be playing on Sundays for sure. With that being said, something else that we need to see more of, something that I learned anyway, is that Penn State needs to run more 21 and 22 personnel, meaning that both running backs, two running backs need to be on the field at the same time. It works. Penn State ran it a little bit, and you notice what happened. Fake to Catron Allen. Easy dump pass in the open field for Nicholas Singleton. And would you look at that? Nicholas Singleton gets a huge gain on the play. It's going to happen more. I think this is something that is stashed in the back pocket for the likes of Ohio State, Michigan. I don't think you needed them anymore against Iowa. This is another game that I'm very confident that Penn State wins and covers. Those are uh, upcoming conversations. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But Penn State, just to add another dynamic and maybe build some more confidence in the running game, use Singleton and use Allen in the same formation. Get them on the field at the same time. They're arguably your best offensive players overall, period. Yes, with due respect to Drew Aller. But those three guys all in the backfield together, Aller, Allen, Singleton, your top three players in the offense. And I think you can get a little more creative with that. I mean, Singleton was the leading receiver with 49 yards because of that exact formation. But the offense... Uh, isn't I'm, I'm not going to just complain about the offense the entire time. The fourth thing that I really learned and, and something that people need to give Drew Aller a little more credit for, granted the level of competition between Illinois, West Virginia, and Delaware, he still doesn't have a pick. He still doesn't have a fumble. Drew Aller is playing well beyond his experience as a true sophomore quarterback. He's been efficient. He's been effective. And the best part is he's not putting the football in harm's way other than a dropped interception against West Virginia, but it was a dropped interception. Uh, the offense, it, it it's just great to see how limited the turnovers have been. Sean Clifford did have that problem at times where turnovers will come around and bite a Penn State offense and, and really set the defense up in a poor position. If anything, the offense is bailing out the defense in that regard. The defense bailed out Penn State in the Illinois game with five turnovers. We know that, but the offense is really helping the defense out by extending drives, not turning the football over, putting the defense back on its heels to begin with, and creating longer fields. If they don't necessarily score on the drive, they are giving the defense a lot of room to work with so that they can prevent opposing offenses from scoring. So I think the offense as a whole is efficient that category when you're just purely not turning the ball over as locked on Nittany Lions. And uh, this was mainly, you learned a lot about the offense in this case, but the defense, there were some things to take away about them specifically what we learned here on locked on Nittany Lions. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but first let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode. And that is FanDuel America's number one sports book. You can get ramped up with the NFL season because it is back, and FanDuel has incredible offers to go along with it, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed, plus all customers who bet that $5 will get $100 off Sunday NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join a FanDuel. The app is super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props, money line totals, you name it. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, 
the official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. And Locked On is back and better than ever with its college football coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time across all Locked On College YouTube channels, including this one, Locked On Nittany Lions. You can check it out. I was a guest on the most recent show talking about Penn State's hopes. I don't think they're they're a contender. They are not a college football playoff hopeful, but check out that show every Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time, talking about all the implications in college football, previewing the games in roughly a two-hour show. So you get the college football intensive from the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, something else we learned, and maybe I should have let this episode off with it, but it really doesn't need to be said at this point. When this secondary is healthy, I'm going to say it anyway, though. When the secondary is healthy, they are top five in the nation. They truly are, and they played like it. I, I get it. Luke Altmeyer does not protect the football. He doesn't help himself out. But Penn State forcing four interceptions. Johnny Dixon had one. Uh, Johnny Dixon had one. Daquan Hardy coming back from injury had one. Just about everybody had one in this case. Cam Miller had an interception as well. The only one, Kalen King. Uh, but those uh, those first four cornerbacks, three of them had an interception. Abdul Carter isn't exactly a defensive back, but he also had an interception as well. And it's good to see that Abdul Carter has a more well-rounded game than maybe some college football analysts might give him credit for, that he's just a blitzer, he's a good run defender. He can drop back into coverage and bait the quarterback and get his hands on the football most importantly not a lot of linebackers are good at uh, picking the football off. But Penn State, in general, honestly should have had even more takeaways. Zachy Wheatley dropped an interception, which was very unusual for him to see, but that was a tough ball to catch. Dom DeLuca, he's a linebacker, didn't it? So Penn State really could have had upwards of seven or eight takeaways against Illinois, but the secondary in particular. Daquan Hardy coming back is huge because he is able to secure the nickel spot. You had to move Johnny Dixon over to the nickel if you were going to run multiple cornerbacks because of what they were doing, and the safeties are capable of it. We've already seen that against different competition. I want to see this against Michigan and Ohio State who have better players in the slot, better guys that are available at the wide receiver position because I do want to see that matchup just as a college football fan in general. But Jalen Reed coming over to cover Keaton Ellis when safeties are typically your zone coverage guys, Zach Key Wheatley. Any of them can cover in man-to-man -man defense. But now that you get Daquan Hardy back, you don't have to force the safeties down. And they've shown that they're very comfortable handling man-to-man -man coverage, but they are better at zone coverage. Leave it to Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, and now Daquan Hardy, who looked like he hadn't missed a step at all. And Cam Miller gets to come in when they need him to. And Cam Miller's shown a, a, lot, of, a lot of fight in him. He, he's shown that he is a much-improved football player. As a true sophomore, they had no problem burning the red shirt for him. And so James Franklin wasn't kidding when he made the comments that he did to open up the season about Cam Miller. But Penn State fans, be excited about the secondary group when they are at full strength. Combine them with the cornerbacks and just the defensive backs as a whole. Cornerbacks and safeties, boundaries, slot, safeties over the top, strong, free, it doesn't matter. All those guys are very talented. Their games are well-rounded. They're not afraid to tackle Right? They're not just uh, collecting interceptions. They are also making plays in the run game. They're quick to defend the screens. They have great play recognition, all of them. I really don't find a lot of weaknesses. Someone like Zachary Wheatley, who I was critical of his tackling ability, saying that he's more of a free safety 
uh, let him play over the top and be that center fielder for no, he is not afraid to come down in the box and make that tackle. I don't know if he heard my comments, but if that's something that he was able to improve and make himself a more well-rounded safety, then this secondary as a group is just very dangerous. And they are probably, I would say, second or third in the country. They're not just, oh, they're barely fifth. Maybe they're sixth in somebody else's rankings. I would say they are second or third. And it's really hard to find another secondary that uh, Alabama secondary, maybe uh, uh, SEC bias, right? But Penn State secondary at the end of the season might end up being number one overall. It's crazy to think because position groups at Penn State have always been top 10, at least recently. Not like this. We're seeing a different kind of secondary that just has all the talent in the world. Another thing we learned, and this was something that we predicted, we talked about, we speculated, but now that we've seen it in person, this Illinois team is just not good. Uh, they do have some bright spots, really mainly just the one bright spot in Jerzon Newton, Johnny Newton, but other than that, they are not a good football team. They're not uh, They're not a deep football team. They don't do what the system of Brett Bielema normally does, right? And Brett Bielema's teams are round and pound. Uh, they at least try to sport a stingy defense, but I, I think because the offense is, is so poorly constructed for this season for the Fighting Illini that it doesn't do any favors to the, uh, to the defense. The, the defense is on the field too much, and that's why ultimately Penn State was just able to wear them down a, as much as they did. Uh, this isn't your father's Brett Bielema team. I've said that already, and I'll say it again. And Luke Altmeyer, a good acquisition from the transfer portal. He's a, a solid quarterback. He has arm talent. He's not a good decision maker, and I can see why he, got tra why he transferred out of Ole Miss and didn't really make it there. Can't protect the football. Penn State made him pay for it, right? Four interceptions uh, in addition to, to the one fumble. Uh, Illinois, you can't chalk this up as this uh, really, really high-profile victory for the Nittany Lions. They went in, they took care of business, but Illinois isn't something that's going to give them a lot of street cred moving forward at the end of the season. They are going to have to beat Ohio State. They're going to have to beat Michigan if they really want to make this season worthwhile. But the, you just check your box. You win your game, you stay undefeated, and you win it. And you win it by double digits too. They had they had a nice, sizable margin, even though. It was. We're going to see Illinois really implode for for the remainder of the season, especially if they have issues at quarterback like this. A couple more things that we learned about, just some simple observations from the special teams, right? Special teams, no glaring issues. Special teams just in general looked better. But the two, two things that we learned, the kicking game is finally secure. Thank you, Alex Falcons. Sanders Sahadek, a, a at least initially won this kicking battle, but Falcons has really settled in, has the prior kicking experience at Columbia, I might add, at, at Columbia University. So Penn State able to find a nice addition out of the transfer portal to come in, take over the job, and he was three for three and, and converted all his PATs that were not blocked, had the one uh, blocked tick and, uh, kick, and for what it's worth, uh, Johnny Newton was the one that blocked that as well. So he, like I said, just tormented Penn State all day long on the interior. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that Penn State doesn't have to face him specifically anymore. And, and this was the last thing, the eighth thing that we really learned from this game is that Caden Saunders is actually the starting punt returner. Uh, this was a surprise to me. I'll throw this in as an extra. There's really no analysis here um, because I still want to see him break out and have a big play at that punt returner spot. But no, no muffs, no fumbles, right? As long as you're able to catch the football, maybe get a few yards here and there, just protect the football. Don't give 
that opposing offense any extra opportunities. But I assumed it was Daquan Hardy because Daquan Hardy wasn't on the football field due to what we know as an injury. I thought that he was going to be the starting punt returner and take over that spot. Maybe he does. He still has to progress back into things. But as of right now, uh, it looks like Caden Saunders has won the job and he's going to keep it for the time being. So special teams, like I said, just better as a unit and and good to see moving forward because, like I said, I've been very critical uh, of the Penn State special teams unit. And before we get to the intel on Iowa, it is not good news for the Hawkeyes, and what a shame. But I, I don't want this – look, I like college football in general, right? So I don't want to see either team really suffer something that they can't help. But Iowa did not get some good injury news, and we're going to talk about how that affects the team going into the whiteout game this Saturday, September 23rd. Before we get to that, let's hear from our other sponsor of today's episode, and that is Game Time. Got to download the Game Time app. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy all of your tickets to sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And what's cool about the Game Time app is you get flash deals. You can unlock flash deals, so you get an even bigger discount on your tickets. And when you're looking for those tickets at any of the venues, you can see where you would be sitting. You don't have to guess. You don't have to think about, well, what is it going to look like? You see it right in the app where you're going to be sitting and how that view is going to be so that you can make the best selection. Game time is the place to get those last second deals on anything, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create that account. Redeem promo code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Locked on Nittany Lines is your go to podcast for happyvalleyinsider.com. All the latest on the Penn State football team, Penn State recruiting, and so much more. Penn State rivals, happyvalleyinsider.com. I also contribute there so you can find some of my articles uh, as well up on the website. In this final segment, Penn State is going up against Iowa. They're a 14-point favorite. That spread is probably going to increase. It was an early spread, very early. One of the games that sportsbooks released early on, and it was about 10 and a half. I knew that this was going to balloon to 14, and it might even go further just because Penn State is going to benefit from the injury news that came out from the Iowa Hawkeyes depth chart. So Kirk Ferentz likes to release a public depth chart leading up to the game. James Franklin would never. I mean, he's legally obligated to a few hours before kickoff. But the week, like we know this on a Tuesday here, September 19th, that uh, Iowa is going to be missing some very important players. Um, One of them is tight end number one, the starting tight end. And we know Iowa, they like to use their tight ends in their offense. And they have been very good at, at developing tight ends and sending them to the NFL. Luke Lachey is not only out for this game, but it's being reported that he's out for the season. He is their leading receiver. He's tight end number one. He's kind of the do-it-all target for Cade McNamara. Um, like I said, Iowa it ta- values tight ends in their offense, a Brian Ferentz offense, which is already poorly constructed to begin with, but it seems like uh, they really favor the tight ends. So that is not good. Now, Eric All, who is one of the other leading right wide receivers, and that tight end number two, who is talented, transfers over from Michigan, 
to go along with McNamara, who was also a Wolverines transfer. He's going to become that made tight end for them. And uh, good chemistry has already been built with McNamara because all and McNamara played at the same time at Michigan, and it felt like they were a package duo going to Iowa. So we'll, we'll see if that chemistry is still there when they're going to have a lot more responsibility on their plate against Penn State, but just moving forward in general. And then to the running back. So Iowa needs the ground game to help set up the play-action pass to get the football to the tight ends. Well, Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson are also missing from the depth chart. That is your number one and number two running backs for the Hawkeyes. And then now there's LaShawn Williams, who has stepped up as running back number three, and he has 164 yards to this point. He's the leading rusher. There's a caveat to that. He's uh, Let's add some context here, because 145 of them came against Western Michigan uh, in the last game, where a lot of garbage time, and Iowa blew them out. Williams was able to capitalize on that. So 140 yards, he had 19 entering last week. Now he takes over as running back number one. Iowa, bottom line here is Iowa is going to be without at least 40% of its offensive production. That's a lot going into a Penn State game, going up against a Penn State team that has the whiteout. Revenge on the mind for what happened in 2021. What could go wrong here against the feisty Nittany Lions defense that is proving to be top 10, top five in the nation? Forget about the secondary for just a second. How about the overall defense being one of the best in the nation against an offense that is already poorly run with Brian Ferentz, has received a lot of Duke criticism, and now you're going to be without your best tight end, who also doubles as your best wide receiver, your top two running backs, who you need that running game to get the football to that tight end. It's a recipe for a disaster. So we'll have plenty to talk about as we continue to preview and discuss Penn State and Iowa, the whiteout game every single year. It's great. Uh, the stage is setting up nicely for Penn State to exact its revenge on a Hawkeyes team that frankly should not win a, should not have won that game two years ago. We're going to have more analysis on that uh, coming up throughout the week, um, but not, not good news for the Hawkeyes, to, to say the least. And that'll do it for this edition of Locked On Nittany Lines. Become an everydayer. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Leave a comment what you think about your early thoughts on Penn State versus Iowa. I mean, the game's here. So let me know if you think that Penn State will be able to capitalize on some of these players missing from the depth chart or if Iowa's got something up its sleeve to try to really uh, make this game a little more interesting for the Nittany Lions. And for more Penn State football content, as always, keep it right here. I'm locked on Nittany Line.